We are back with another episode of TBS, Two Blonde Drinks. Today we're going to be talking about asking for a friend. Those friends that we go to when we have vulnerable times in our life, going through breakups and makeups and dating and all the fun stuff. And maybe some of us need a little bit of help as to what to do and to not do when your friend comes to you in a vulnerable state. And sometimes life imitates art. And today you Mm -hmm. have a good example for us about we were just um, talking about friendship and just like romantic relationships are challenging, at times friendships can be challenging, especially female friendships. So today we're going to shed some light on some things that we think have helped us in our lives to navigate these friendships, these female friendships that, um, you know, makes it good, makes it enriching, makes us happy. Yeah. Because I think we all want to have fulfilling friendships. And I think a lot of times girls can be tricky. And judgmental. And so, with that being said. Let's get right into it, shall let's we? Get right into it. So we've all had that friend that might be going through some rough patches in their life. And I think one of the most important things that we have to consider is sometimes people just want to be heard rather than guided and oftentimes we learn this in therapy right when we're saying this is the difference between therapy and friendship when you are in a friendship you and i we talk we kind of almost naturally compete oh i went through a breakup i remember when i went through my breakup no i went i remember when i went through my breakup and it goes back and forth and it's no longer about us anymore it's about each other you know so I want to shed light on that because I think that that's an important point one is that yes if a friend comes to you you don't want to make it about yourself yeah but sometimes it's okay to bring up examples as it relates to what your friend's going through so like if you're saying I'm going through a breakup and this happened and I'm like oh I went through something similar There's a relatability factor that's okay, but if Mm -hmm. I start making it all about myself, I take over the narrative of the story. I don't give you space to have your experience and talk. Yeah. Then it's different, right? Yeah. And that takes away from the points that that person wants to make. So the first thing I think to really consider is to truly just listen and just allow the person to talk rather than tell them you're part of your experience and what you went through and so forth. Because it takes away from that person's experience and it kind of leaves them with a feeling of I didn't get my story across and all we want to do is ultimately we just want to be heard at the end of the day when we're trying to talk to somebody so that's number one yeah heard and seen it's super important to remember that if a friend comes to you in a vulnerable state to really try to listen Uh, I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, this idea of really listening to another person, what they're saying, honing in on everything and and the whole story. So you're really grasping it so that when you do say something, it's it's an important piece to it. And uh, you don't try not to make it about yourself. I think, you know, we all want to relate it back to ourselves in relation to the other person. But there's a difference, like I said, between taking over the story, making it about yourself versus saying I went through something similar. Yeah. Um, but and I keep saying, um, do you do this too? Yeah. I'm starting to catch myself as we're doing more of these episodes. Yeah. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I used to do what was called. Well, I've done it like once. 
but Toastmasters, and we would go and get literally critiqued and ripped apart as to how many ums, eh, uh, what, mm, we would say. They're called for fillers, me, yeah, actually. Yeah, but for me, when I'm saying something, it's not because I want to say um, it's because it's just my brain and my words aren't coming out quickly enough. Like, yeah. I already have the thoughts, but it's, I, the um is trying to, like, connect, right, yeah. between what we're saying and how quickly our brain's moving. Well, I mean, look at the way we walked in here. I forgot my shirt. Oh. What was the shirt of the day? Sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. <laughs> that was going to be the shirt of the day. I think I don't want to go anywhere these days where I am in my life. It's really hard for me to get to places these days. But I showed up, combed my hair, put my makeup on, and I'm here. And I think, too, yeah. having a partner to do this podcast with, which is really yeah. nice, uh, it holds you accountable. And in mm -hmm. life, we need to be held accountable. Yeah. We can't just be always accountable to ourselves. Sometimes it's important to have another person that we're accountable. That's so, why we're best friends. Yeah. And why we're doing this together. But also, like, what's so nice about it is when I'm having a bad week, hopefully you're not. And then you can sort of take yeah. over. And then when you're having a hard time, I can sort of fill in. And that's reciprocity. Yeah. We were talking a lot about reciprocity, oh, yeah. explaining this whole concept. But... Uh, that's it at its crux. And that is the part where we were talking about just five minutes ago, where it's letting one another have their own issues. So I think that's one of the most important thing you can possibly ever do in any relationship is allow your friend or your partner to have their own issues and to just let them speak and be vulnerable and just to listen and just let it be about them. Um, one of the reasons why we would share our experience with someone who is going through an experience in which we think we relate to is because we want to make sure that that person knows or feels like we can understand them. That's the only reason why we really do it unless we're a total narcissist and we want to make it about ourselves. So and some people do. It just depends some on people the person, do. right? Yeah. So, but there are other ways of helping a person understand or feel heard by just listening and it's reflecting. It's so crazy. It's such a simple thing yeah, to do, right? But right? we're not able to do it. Yeah. I had this experience recently and um, life has been a little tough. I'm going through some rough patches as a therapist and um, oh, it gets me emotional, but it's all right. Um, um, it's okay. It's we'll crutch. catch each other. It's a crutch. We're not the only. It's the brain. <laughs> it's trying to catch up with the words. Sometimes it's just not as quick. Well, life has been a little patchy lately, as you know. And um, I've felt myself being very vulnerable with people that I wouldn't necessarily be vulnerable with because um, at times it feels very lonely, you know. So when you want to talk to someone, you might talk to someone who's just standing in front of you and just because they're there they become that person that you talk to and then you pull yourself back or I should say I pull myself back because I'm really talking about myself and go damn it why did I talk about that with that person and all I feel is just judged and not understood because this is not a typical person that I would go to it's just when we are in times of need and loneliness, the the first person that is in front of us is that person that we kind of 
hold on to. And this actually, this is one of the reasons why we get into that rebound relationship with men and women. You know, when you come out of a relationship and then you go into another relationship right after because you're so vulnerable that the person in front of you is, you think, is giving you what you need and all they're really giving you is their attention and you fall into it and then six months down the line you're like what on earth was I thinking even getting into a relationship with this person Um, that's the reason why because in that moment you're so desperately in need of someone to just love you and listen and be there that them just being there and being consistent your brain kind of plays tricks on you and makes you feel like oh this is the person that you can attach to when that is actually the person you should not attach to so being alone which I've done for the past five months now um, has been a really eye-opening and difficult experience that I've had but I'm pushing through and sadly enough I just the one problem that I've had is that one thing where which led us to even recording today's episode which is you know sharing experiences with people that just don't understand you because in times of vulnerability you just need to be heard and then that person just kind of invalidates you or judges you or you feel that way maybe they're not even judging me maybe I just feel judged I mean what you're saying is so important because I feel like in my life the times that I've slipped into bad friendships or Mm -hmm. bad relationships has always been when I'm vulnerable yeah it's always been like you said after either a breakup or a friendship ends and there's this void sort of wanting to be filled Mm -hmm. of like oh my gosh I just you know I want someone to listen to me I want to be heard and it may that vulnerability at times is not always an asset I think I think vulnerability for for our lives is an asset but I think when we're when we've gone through something really hard and we're vulnerable it makes us more susceptible to maybe not making as good a decisions as we would have mm-hmm. had we been a little bit more stabilized, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed a pattern in my life that every single time that I've lost some relationship along the way, it set me up to be more vulnerable for the next relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's only after those hard and bad experiences that I get wiser each and every time. So I catch my vulnerability. And I think the message at the end of that is really just to let the right ones in and to be aware when you are vulnerable. And if you have gone through something really hard to check yourself and say, Mm -hmm. I'm in a vulnerable state right now and my decision making may be impaired to some ability to some. Absolutely. I think one of the most important things you can actually do is not make any decisions in the time of vulnerability. (laughs) Yes. I just stop making decisions. Or really think on decisions. Really think, but because your mind is so clouded and you're so in desperately in need of uh, closure or something to give you an answer is when you get an answer when you let things go, you know, um, and that's one of the most important things I think I've learned in being alone with myself. Uh, uh uh, we're going to count all the yeah, uh's, you guys. Uh, we can, we'll get a jar here. And we're going to be millionaires by the end of the yes, day because how much we say us. We're going to be account, holding accountable with bills. And yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a nice jar for ums and uhs. And at the end of this, we're going to be pros because we're going to be broke. So <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Back to <laughs> what we were saying. Well, back to vulnerability, it, right? So yeah. this idea that when we're vulnerable uh, in life, we are more susceptible to making bad decisions, or not thought out decisions as it yeah. pertains to maybe every aspect of our lives, primarily relationally. And so there's this idea of a Freudian repetition. repetition <laughs> I love it. It's completion. this idea that we're going to keep making the same mistake again and again and again in a different way. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty much the same mistake. It's just going to be packaged differently until we learn the lesson. Yep. Repetition compulsion. We <laughs> compulsively repeat ourselves until we decide to not. Um, actually, that goes more in depth in analysis. And it's talking about when you're having, quote, deja vu. Ooh. And it's basically saying that you have been in that place before, but God or the universe is now giving you a second chance to make a different decision. So do you ever get deja vu? Oh, yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It never gets less weird, too. It's one of those things. Yeah. It's just always like a mind warp. Well, now that I know that, I'm like, oh, what decision would I have made? And then what decision do I want to make? So one of the things that I keep in mind these days is I make sure for any of you who are going through any kind of loss or grief or change in your life, the most important thing you can possibly do is surround yourself with people who actually care about you and who are in a place in their life that they want to see you grow and they want to hear your pain and not change you in any way. So the energy around me has shifted from like 10 people to about three and at times one, which is my mom basically. But it's one of the most important things to do because if you can't hear yourself, if you can't validate yourself, if you can't understand yourself and have that empathy and you're constantly judging yourself, we're just basically projecting onto other people and then that's what what we're gathering. So if you're going through loss, if you're going through change and all that stuff, look at the people around you because they are the ones who are affecting your healing process. Also, the idea of personalization, I think, is really important because if you are going to be vulnerable with somebody Mm -hmm. and they're not going to be receptive to you in the way that we were sort of discussing, you don't feel like you're being seen. You don't feel like you're being heard. Uh, You also just feel like they're making it about themselves. And that whole experience that you're going through is now on the back burner. Take inventory of that and really don't do it again. Like don't, don't do, don't invite those people in, but also don't make it personal because know that everyone has a different threshold for vulnerability and for tolerating uncomfortable emotions. And vulnerability for a lot of people, unless you go into our field where we're basically taught to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable very early on, Mm. it's scary for a lot of people. And it's also in our society, a lot of times it's perceived as weakness because we're trained societally and from very early on in our uh, childhoods to to have defense mechanisms for things to protect Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. life can get scary experiences can be hard and so we need defense mechanisms to get through life i don't knock defense mechanisms i don't either i think think sometimes they're they're helpful and they help us navigate our lives yeah but then we also need to recognize when they hurt us 
And there are times in our lives when we do need to let people in. And when we do let people in, we are vulnerable. There's beautiful things that happen in those moments. Know your limits, though. I think what you said there is very useful, knowing your limits, which, again, not to make it about me, but I have literally told several people in my life recently, I have no capacity emotionally to deal with your issues right now. I love you. I hear you. But I have so many things going on within myself that I don't know how to be there for you right now. So if I could just listen, that would be great. I think that's the healthiest thing you can do when you're going through a hard time. Yeah. To a friend that say to a friend that's going through a hard time is to say exactly what you just said. I love you. I can't be there for you in the way that you maybe need me to be right now because I'm going through so much of my own stuff, but I can listen. I just can't show up for you. I know the way that you want me to show up for you because you're you're telling them because so many people get so offended when you're consistent for so long in your life and then you go through a hard time and you're not consistent and people don't get that a lot of times. Yeah, I've experienced that a lot recently and from people that I didn't even expect to experience it from you know but it's all right I think I've had so much loss in my life in the past few months that I'm just like what's next it's all good what's next uh right now as long as we have our health and well as long as I have my health and I want to say something about that though because I think I read somewhere a long time ago that we all stand to lose everything in this life the idea of loss is mm-hmm. so hard for so many of us, right? I don't think it's easy for anybody. Yeah. And yet it's it's an inconvenient truth to life that loss is going to be a part of it. Yeah. If we live long enough, we're going to experience loss. And as I've experienced more losses in my life, I'm getting better at it. I don't think it's ever easy. But the way we tolerate it and navigate it, I think that changes with time. Yeah. And I also want to say that the hard times that people go through, that it's it's seasonal. Life is so seasonal. And so whatever you're going through today, last month, five months ago, I want to remind people that that is not going to be constant forever. Mm-hmm. I think when so much of the time people think that these feeling states are going to be around for the, their entire life. Yeah, and that's just not how life goes. No, we change all the time. And with losses change. But we need to differentiate the difference between loss and change because they can they kind of go hand in hand. Every loss creates a change. Every every change. Change cannot happen without losing something. That's right. It was funny because I remember mm-hmm. when we were in grad school, a professor was like, well, cho- there's loss in choices. This idea that if you go to a restaurant and there's like 20 things on the menu and you want two or three of them, you're going to have to pick one. And whatever you pick, those other two items, there's loss in that. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to get the Philly cheesesteak today, even though I really want it because I really want the Cobb salad. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's a lot. I mean, that's a really simplistic example. But every single day when we make a choice, there, there is a loss associated with that. And our unconscious mind takes that on as a loss. We're just not aware of it. Wow. That, yeah. I'm, real, I'm still thinking about that Philly cheesesteak sandwich that I 
declined. I don't even like Philly cheesesteak. I don't know what it is about people loving Philly cheesesteak. Well, it's just like when the weather's cold, it's a seasonal thing for me. I love stews in the winter. I like a good burger. Well, I would like my mom to come to my house and cook for me, but that's not going to happen because I lost that long time ago. <laughs> Look, um, I think at the end of um, I think at okay, the end, let's get the jar. I think we'll bring a jar, jar next time, and yeah. we're going to start holding each other accountable. Losing money each time, coming out of our pockets. With the whole ums. I do have a question that yes. was sent to me in regards to actually grief and loss. Is um, is um, uh, I don't know which one I want to do. But the main question that really stood out was, how do you get over loss when a friend is talking about some, you know, a breakup or how do you get help them get over it? One of the things to keep in mind is that we never get over loss. We don't get we don't get over it. You just learn how to tolerate it better. As time goes on, you're able to tolerate your feelings a little better. And you're able to deal with the pain a little better. And that's why the saying goes, time heals all in a way, because you just need some time. Sometimes you need six months, sometimes you need a year. Sometimes you need two years, but really just stepping back and changing what you're telling yourself as to how do I get over this? You don't get over loss. You learn how to tolerate it through time. I think people too get frustrated around the grieving process. And when they're experiencing a loss, there's this idea that they want it to be over now. They want to have moved on quicker than which They're noticing us that make they make those decisions, those horrible decisions, especially in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Guys, you don't need a rebound. You need to be with yourself until you can figure out who you want to be with. Or actually, better yet, you need to be with yourself until you can figure out who you want to be in the next relationship. That's and how also I would just like checking in with yourself. If you've gone through a seismic shift in your life and you are vulnerable know that that vulnerability is going to bring things with it and it may be putting you to more to be more susceptible to making Mm -hmm. a bad decision or to repeating the same bad decision uh all of those things you know it's important to take a step back when we're vulnerable and to just really check in and go to therapy see this is the fun thing when you go to therapy you don't have to worry about your business coming out to your friends or being judged. You know, I, I tell my patients. Pay to keep it private. Yeah. I tell my patients, don't talk about your problems with the people around you. Write it out and just bring it to therapy. We will figure it out here. And then after you talk to me about it, then when you leave, see if you still want to talk about it with your friends. Because most likely you'll either talk about it but you'll talk about it from a different angle or you just won't talk about it because that cathartic feeling that you get from just venting and just word vomiting all of your feelings to just kind of pour it out in front of you. It's very helpful and help in allowing you to get it out and then to rethink whether this is something you want to go back to or not. And that's what therapy gives you. That's why it's so important to go to therapy. It makes me so sad that People make fun of therapy. You know, I've heard 
I've heard, you know, all the things that are on Instagram. Where it's like, oh, haha, you're so weak. You need to go to pay someone to talk to somebody about all your problems. Just figure it out. That just clearly states how ignorant people are in terms of therapy and what it's actually used for. Um, and it's sad because I think we could truly have that relational component in therapy with our therapist to provide us that safe space so we clarify our thoughts and actions and behaviors and all that stuff that we do and then go back to our friends and even help them or they can help us and for us not to take things personal and so forth. So there are these different relationships that we will be in, whether it's with our therapist and that's a therapeutic relationship, whether it's our partner, whether it's a marriage, uh, friendships, uh, sibling, you know, sibling relationships, whatever it is, learning how to just listen and be is the most important thing that you'll ever learn in your life. And when you can't listen and be, admitting that and just saying, I'm not in the emotional state to even be able to help you. I'm so sorry, but I could just listen to what you have to say. And even and that's hard for so many people. Listening is, yeah. and, and I will say, listening can be really hard. It's not always easy because our mind's right. going and mm-hmm. we're trying to listen to what another person has to say and really hone in on that. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes more challenging than meets the eye. Well, listening versus hearing. It is a skill. I hear yes. you, but am I listening to what you're actually saying? Like the words, it's not even the words most of the time. It's the process that's happening. And Why? I, yeah, it's I true. use my hands a lot no, when I, it's true. It's the process that's um, happening. Also, I do believe that we're not listening as well anymore because of our devices. I've noticed oh, geez, I'll say yeah. something to somebody and I'll have to repeat myself a lot these days, whether it's a friend or a family member, and they're, mm-hmm. I'm repeating because the phone or the computer is, they're so zoned in on these other things and these distractions. Our listening skills are sort of deteriorating. It's so sad. Do you notice that We're too? We're so disconnected from humans. And one of the things that we really need in our life is to be connected. And the way, one of the best ways to connect is through speaking. We don't even talk to each other anymore. We text things. And we're so disconnected. People are so disconnected. And this, again, brings us back to kind of the reason why people don't know how to be there for one another anymore. It's becoming archaic, this idea of yeah. human connectivity. And if we're having text conversations, we're not getting full engagement and if we're sending voice notes, we're getting one-way engagement. And yeah. if we're leaving messages, it's the same thing. And even if you're on the phone, that's great. But there's no substitute for in-person, eye-to-eye contact. That intimate connection. I, I mean, that's the mirror neuron stuff. Our brains have mirror neurons oh. that connect and light up when we engage yeah. another human being. Oh my God, you said that, I remember. So yesterday I did this art therapy. Um, I did this art therapy exercise where I'm probably gonna butcher it, so just bear with me. But it was a neuro, it was like a neuropathway, like reconstructive art therapy where we thought of all the things in our mind that hurt us 
or that we want to let go of. And then when we thought about it, we wrote them all out and we closed our eyes. We imagined it. And then when we opened our eyes, we drew it out really fast for like one second. And then all the rough edges, all the points that we had in our drawing, we had to go back and circle, meaning round out all the edges, which in our neural pathways, because we have rigidity, right? Things that we want to get through or trauma that we've had, it creates rigidity in our mind. And we had to literally go and round out all the rough edges from our drawing and then create new neural pathways and round out all the rough, all the rough edges from that. And this is such an amazing experience to have because when you put something down on paper and you're envisioning what you're doing, it's actually happening. I mean, there is so many studies with even cancer patients. That little kid, have, did you read about the five-year-old? It was several years ago. He had, uh, I believe it was brain cancer, and he liked to play Pac-Man and the the little thing that goes around eating. So he was imagining that little, I don't know what it's called, whatever that little the item little is Pac called, guy, little yeah. Pac-Man guy. Pac-Man, it's called, it's called Pac-Man. <laughs> He's he goes around eating, yeah, and he has a girlfriend who has a bow, yeah, <laughs> chasing him in the maze, yeah. If I remember, so, and there's those little like monsters, that yeah. You get so he for. goes and he eats all the monsters, right? So when so basically, like this little kid, um, he, his cancer he- healed, if I can say cured or whatever, you know. Um, sorry, I'm not an MD. I can't went into rem- remission. went into remission. Thank you very much. And but it, it also kind of disappeared from the area of his mind where he had the cancer and they asked him and they said why do you like to play pac-man so much and he said because i imagined it eating my cancer he healed himself i truly believe that this kid healed himself you can absolutely heal yourself by the way and that's what we were doing on that in the art therapy where we were healing our mind by creating you know softening all those edges which were so rigid Um, And that just don't allow us to let go of things, you know, so and it shows up in our relationships and it shows up in our friendships and it shows up in our familial, you know, relationships. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. So when you said neuropathways, I just remembered that. I think what you're alluding to is this idea of a reparative experience. Exactly. So, yeah, in our brains, things get concretized, meaning like they're like concrete. They get Mm -hmm. really rigid, pretty tough. And the edges are you know pointy pointy exactly mm-hmm. so you're going in there you're softening you're creating fluidity mm-hmm. and malleability yeah which is so important for life being flexible being malleable being able to to adjust and adapt mm-hmm. as situations change and being in flux which uh, allows you to be much more flexible when someone's sharing their trauma and vulnerability with you to not be so rigid with you know the feedback that we give them so it goes back to how we started how we started yeah so guys there is a lot that we can consider within our friendships on how to listen and how to hear and how to support our friends during times of need um one of which is to just step back and check in with yourself and truly just listen and hear out rather than giving advice that's one number two is checking in with yourself and not making any decisions during hard times in your life and 
knowing that just because the person in front of you is consistently showing you something that you're in such desperately in need for, that that might not be the right person that you should actually attach to. It's just in that moment they're providing that for you. And going to therapy, just go to therapy and talk to your therapist and share your experiences and sort it all out and then go into the world and practice it and see how your life changes. So for all of our friends out there, I hope that you guys can make better decisions as to who you're opening up to and make better decisions as to what you're providing your friends that need a little bit more support when they're able to feel safe enough and vulnerable in front of you to share things about themselves. And my last thought of the day is to just listen a little harder this week. Yeah. Take a moment for yourself and remind yourself the next time you're talking to someone, uh, what are they saying? What are they trying to convey? How are you showing up? And how are you listening? Till next time. See you guys.